Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron and I'm one of your hosts. There are three other hosts that are joining me today, of course. Danielson. Ayo. Hans. Howdy, howdy. And Anna. Hello, hello. So before we start today's episode, I just want to say like always, we do not run any ads on this show or take any money from any corporations. So if you'd like to help us out, well, there's a few ways that you can do that. One of the ways is Patreon. For only $5 a month, which is 16 cents a day, you can sign up to our Patreon and get extra episodes each week. These Patreon episodes are exclusive to members only. Today we released a Patreon-exclusive episode, which is over predictions and prophecies. Also, we have over 40 extra episodes, which is over 60 extra hours already locked and loaded for your listening pleasure, such as Disney Darkness, Isaac Cappy, Baba Vanga, FEMA, and much more. We have a lot of extra Patreon episodes and a ton of extra blooper reels, which you get access to all of them for just five bucks a month. Another way to support the show is through our merchandise. Just teleport on over to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, and click the shop button. Then you can see all the merch we have for sale. T-shirts, hoodies, mugs, all that good stuff. I just wanted to say that the money we get from Patreon and merchandise goes to bettering the show. Also, we know things are tough out there right now, so if you can't afford a shirt or a Patreon membership but want to help us out, then you can leave us a written review on iTunes. That helps us out a lot. If you don't want to leave one, though, then that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, Ghost, Illuminati members, Underground Lizard people, whoever or whatever you are, to enjoy the show. Also, one last thing. If any of you would like to reach out to us, then you can shoot us a message on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or you can go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, click on the contact button, and there you will find our email addresses. And that is the end of the announcements. So today's episode is over Nostradamus. So how this episode will go today is that we'll talk about who is Nostradamus, and then we'll go over his predictions, the ones that came true, and then the ones that have yet to come true. And then we'll go into theories about him and his predictions and all that good stuff. So with that being said, let's get into today's episode. Over 465 years ago, a French prophet and philosopher made predictions about the future of humanity. Over the years, his visions would come true, baffling and mystifying individuals around the world. From the rise of Hitler to the coronavirus pandemic, Notre Dame saw this in his visions hundreds of years prior to them happening. These predictions were not the only thing mysterious surrounding him. He visited sacred occult temples, possessed healing powers, and rubbed shoulders with the elite political people in power at the time. Was Notre Dame truly a prophet that saw the future? Or did he have access to information that no one else did? Before we hop into those strange things, let's first learn about who Nostradamus was. 
So, Anna, can you start us off with that? So Nostradamus was actually born as Michel de Nostradame in St. Remy, France, on December 14, 1503. Now, during his childhood, he spent a great deal of time with his two grandfathers, who were actually scholars. They taught him mathematics, astronomy, astrology, and many different languages. At the age of 14, he studied medicine at the University of Avion until the bubonic plague forced the school to actually close. Shortly after that, he had become an apothecary for several years. A little FYI for those who don't know what an apothecary is. It's basically someone who prepares and sells drugs to patients, surgeons, doctors, you know, so on and so forth. Basically a pharmacist, except that they actually make and sell the drugs directly. So in 1525, at the age of 22, Nostradamus graduated from the University of Montpelier and received a license to practice medicine. Following this, he changed his name officially to Nostradamus, which is the Latin form of his name. And that was a pretty common custom among uh, academics. So it wasn't like he was doing anything weird or strange by changing his name to that. After finishing his education, Nostradamus continued his apothecary work for the next several years traveling through France. He became well known for his abilities in treating the victims of the bubonic plague. Now, at this time, the plague had no known remedies, so most doctors relied on potions made of mercury or other things such as the practice of bloodletting and dressing patients in garlic-soaked robes, which none of it worked very well. Nostradamus had developed some different methods for dealing with the plague. He didn't bleed his patients. Instead, he practiced hygiene. You know, like washing his hands and that kind of shit. Telling his patients to take a bath and clean their wounds. He also told the people to remove the infected corpses from the city streets. Another thing that he did was that he created something that he called a rose pill. It was an herbal lozenge made of rose hips that were rich in vitamin C. These lozenges provided some relief for patients with mild cases of the plague. Nostradamus's cure rate for the plague was pretty impressive at the time. He was able to cure large communities, and this built up his street cred. A lot of the locals were like, Damn, that Nostradamus is really out here saving people's lives from this crazy-ass plague. Of course, he became somewhat of a local celebrity for his treatments, and he started receiving financial support from many of the citizens. So let's fast forward to the year 1534. Nostradamus was 31 at the time, married, and had two children. The plague was still ravaging towns, so he decided to start traveling to some of them and, you know, help the people out there. Now, while he was out there in these different towns treating people with the plague, his wife and two children that he had left behind actually contracted the plague themselves and ended up dying before he got back. Now, because of this happening, his in-laws and all of the communities he had visited helping got pretty upset with him. And he was uh, pretty much shunned because of it. All right. Four years later, in 1538, Notre Dame was all depressed and shit. While he was walking the streets in his town, he passed by a religious statue and made some remarks about it. Someone heard him and turned him in and the charges of heresy were filed against him. 
the Church Inquisition ordered Notre Dame to appear before them to face his charges. Notre Dame instead was like, uh, no thanks, ye, and left the province. <laughs> so for the next several years, Nostradamus traveled through Italy, Greece, and Turkey. During his travels, he started visiting ancient mystery schools, which some say is where he experienced a psychic awakening. It is said that during his travels in Italy, he came upon a group of Franciscan monks. After speaking with them, he told one of the monks, Felice, that he would be the future pope. This monk, Felice Peretti, was ordained Pope Sixtus V in 1585, fulfilling the prediction of Nostradamus. Damn. Mark that one down as right for him. Mm-hmm. You know, Anna, what if that's not Felice? What if it's uh, Felice? And that was the first Felice Johnson. <laughs> booty warrior. Yeah, I said, ah, thy <laughs> booty is what I need. <laughs> Nostradamus like, yeah, yeet, I gotta get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I love it. Alright, so after all his travels, Nostradamus was like, eh, I've stayed away long enough. They probably have forgotten about me not showing up to the church meeting and making those comments about the dick on the church statue. <laughs> you know that's what he commented about. He was like, look at that statue that church made. That dick on that statue is so small. I know, right? She's like, huh. Thank God I'm bigger than that. So, uh, so he returned to France to resume his practice of treating plague victims. In 1547, he settled in his hometown of Salon de Provence and married a rich widow named Anne Ponsarde. Together, they had six children, three boys and three girls. So at this time, he also published two books on medical science. One was a translation of Galen, the Roman physician, in a second book, Trait de Fordemont, and it was a uh, medical cookbook for treating the plague and the preparation of cosmetics. So within a few years of him settling into Salon de Provence, uh, Nostradamus began moving away from medicine and more towards the occult. It is said that he would spend hours in his study at night meditating in front of a bowl filled with water and herbs. Or sometimes he would just stare into a fireplace and just look at the flames while he meditated. This meditation would bring on a trance and visions for him. It is speculated that these visions were the basis of his predictions for the future. In 1550, Notre Dame wrote his first almanac of astrological information and predictions for the coming year. Just a side note here. Almanacs were very popular at the time, as they provided useful information for farmers and merchants and contained entertaining bits of local folklore and predictions for the coming year. So Notre Dame began writing about his visions and incorporating them into his first almanac. The publication received a great response and served to spread his name all across France, which encouraged Notre Dame to write more. So then in 1554, Nostradamus' visions had become an integral part of his works in the almanacs, and he decided to channel all his energies into a massive book. He planned to write 10 volumes, which would contain 100 predictions forecasting the next 2,000 years. A year later, in 1555, he published Les Prophecies, a collection of his major long-term predictions. Now, at this time, if you said, hey, man, I can predict the future, 
the local church would come after that ass. So instead, Nostradamus, having the church come after him a second time, he devised a method of obscuring the prophecy's meanings by using quatrains. Now, if you aren't familiar with what a quatrain is, it is simply a poem with four lines and a mixture of other languages such as Greek, Latin, Italian, and Provical, a dialect of southern France. Now, even though he used these complicated-ass quatrains to tell the future, he did run into some controversy uh, with his predictions. Some, of course, thought he was a servant of the devil, and others said he was fake or insane. However, many did believe that his prophecies were spiritually inspired, and because of this, he became even more famous and the Europe's elitists were like, I need his ass up in this place telling us our future and what's going to happen. One of these elitists was Catherine de Medici, who was the wife of King Henry II of France. She was one of Notre Dame's greatest admirers. In 1555, Notre Dame published one of his almanacs, and in it, he hinted at unnamed threats to Catherine de Medici, which, of course, she was like, oh, shit. Get his ass to Paris. After Nostradamus arrived in Paris, Catherine demanded that he draw up horoscopes for her children. While they're meeting with the queen, aka Catherine, there was this arrest that was issued for him for being a magician. The queen heard about it and was like, nope, and ordered that he was to be left alone. A few years later, she made him counselor and physician-in-ordinary to King Henry's court. In 1556, while serving in the new role that the queen gave him, Nostradamus also explained another prophecy, which was assumed to refer to King Henry. The prophecy told of a young lion who would overcome an older one on the field of battle. The young lion would pierce the eye of the older one, and he would die a cruel death. Nostradamus told the king, Hey man, I really think you should probably avoid ceremonial jousting. But, of course, the king ignored him. So three years later, at the age of 41, King Henry went to participate in some ceremonial jousting. In his match, his opponents lanced, pierced the king's visor, entered into his head, behind his eye, and deep into his brain. The king survived for the next 10 days before finally dying of an infection. He's a tough man. First lobotomy. Oh, yeah, it is. All right. So something worth noting is that Notre Dame has suffered from gout and arthritis for much of his adulthood. In the last years of his life, the condition turned into edema or dropsy, where the abnormal amounts of fluid accumulate beneath the skin or within cavities of the body. Now, without treatment, this condition results in congestive heart failure. So in late June of 1566, Notre Dame asked to see his lawyer to draw up an extensive will. He left much of his estate to his wife and children. On the evening of July 1st, he is alleged to have told his secretary, you will not find me alive at sunrise. The next morning, he was reportedly found dead lying on the floor. So that's the life of Nostradamus. Now we're going to get into the meat of the episode, which is the predictions. All right, Anna, you want to start us off with predictions? 
For sure. So most of these quatrains or predictions Nostradamus composed during his life dealt with disasters such as plagues, earthquakes, wars, floods, invasions, murders, droughts, and battles. Nostradamus enthusiasts have credited him with predicting numerous events in world history, including the French Revolution, the rise of Napoleon and Hitler, the development of the atomic bomb, and September 11th, the terrorist attacks in the World Trade Center. Now, Nostradamus has said to have used two methods for seeing into the future and getting his predictions. The first method was him staring into a flame, and images of the future would be revealed in the flames. The second method was by him gazing into a bowl of water until the water became cloudy and images of the future would be revealed. I also heard that he poured black ink into the bowl of water for it to turn black. Then he would stare into it and see his predictions. Hmm. I'm going to have to try that out tonight. What is that, uh, that which is used that black mirror? What is that called? Scrying. Yeah. Kind of like that, I guess. I don't know anything about scrying. I don't either. But I know that there are people that look in the flames to try to connect. It does put you in that trance state where you can receive more messages or visions. All right. So now's when we're going to hop into some of the predictions that have supposedly came true. Dan, you want to go with this first one? So the first one we got is the Great London Fire. The way this was said in uh, Notre Dame's quatrains, the blood of the just will be demanded of London, burnt by the fire in the year 66. Which the interpretation of that was the Great Fire of London was a giant fire that swept through central parts of the English city from September 2nd to September 6th of 1666. It consumed 13,200 houses, 87 parish churches, St. Paul's Cathedral, and most of the buildings of the city's authorities. It is estimated to have destroyed the homes of 70,000 of the city's 80,000 inhabitants. Damn. That's a big fire. Mm -hmm. That's a huge fire. Hey, that's the number of the beast right there. If you just take off that one, boom. All right, do you, do you think that was an accurate uh, prediction, or you think it was kind of like, eh, eh? I think it's pretty good. It's pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah, I give that one a thumbs up. Got it right, Nostradamus. Oh, what's this next one, Aaron? So this next one is Louis Pasteur's Discoveries. So Nostradamus' prediction for this one read out as the following. The lost thing is discovered, hidden for many centuries. Pasteur will be celebrated almost as a godlike figure. This is when the moon completes her great cycle, but by other rumors, he shall be dishonored. So that was the prediction. And this is the interpretation of his uh, supposed prediction, is that a French chemist and microbiologist by the name of Louis Pasteur discovered that the growth of microorganisms causes fermentation, that his discovery also proved bacteria doesn't simply appear spontaneously like they previously thought. It grows from already living organisms by a process called biogenesis. Now, while he didn't submit the germ theory, he went around convincing as many as he could in Europe about his discovery. Then he came up with the process on how to remove the bacteria known as pasteurization, similar to his name, Pasteur. Now, you can't forget that his early work led to the creation of vaccines 
to rabies and anthrax as well. And then um, in 1995, a science historian, Gerald L. Geeson, he published a book showing Pasteur uh, incorporated a rival's notes to make his vaccines functional. And with that happening, he was uh, he was partially dishonored, quote unquote, because of it, which I don't know about the dishonor part, but everything else. I mean, Nostradamus got right. I give it a thumbs up. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, his name itself. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Pasteurizing of milk. Yep. So this next one has two predictions in one. So he starts off saying his prediction from the depths of the west of Europe. A young child will be born of poor people. He who by his tongue will seduce a great troop. His fame will increase towards the realm of the east. Also, beast ferocious with hunger will cross the rivers. The greater part of the battlefield will be against Hister. Into a cage of iron will the great one be drawn when the child of Germany observes nothing. Now, the interpretation of this is that on April 20th, 1889, uh, Hitler, you know, the famous one, was born in Austria, which is in Western Europe. But his family was middle class, not impoverished. So Hitler did rise to power in part due to his speaking abilities, the whole by his tongue will seduce, and did initiate World War II, a great troop, by invading Poland. Some of Nostradamus' supporters have said that Hister is a misspelling of Hitler, but it's actually the Latin term for the Danube, which is the second longest river in Europe. I count that. I give that a thumbs up. He predicted Hitler. Yeah. Close enough. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was just off by Germany because he was Austrian, but, you know. Yeah. I'll give him two thumbs up on Yelp. All right. What's his next one? So this is Nostradamus's uh, prediction of the bombing of Nagasaki and Hiroshima. His prediction went, Near the gates and within two cities, there will be scourges, the like of which was never seen, famine within plague, people put out by steel, crying to the great immortal God for relief. Now, the interpretation of this is, in early August of 1945, the United States dropped two atomic weapons on the island of Japan, in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And uh, the cities were devastated, and many survivors of the blast suffered radiation poisoning, crying to the great immortal god for relief, you know. In the wake of the war, Japan also went through a food shortage crisis. I give that one two thumbs up as well. Yeah. Agreed. Good job, Nostradamus. It's doing pretty good. Thanks a lot, Nostradamus. Hey, you predicted it, but nobody did anything about it. Just like uh, this next one, no one did nothing about it. Oof. <laughs> Our next one is the assassinations of John F. Kennedy and Bobby Kennedy. The great man will be struck down in the day by a thunderbolt, an evil deed foretold by the bearer of a petition. According to the London prediction, another falls at nighttime. Conflict at Reims, London, and a pestilence in Tuscany. The interpretation of that was President John Kennedy, great man, received numerous death threats, petition, over the course of his presidency. While visiting Dallas on November 22, 1963, the president was gunned down, which was the thunderbolt. The assassination shocked and devastated the nation. 
His brother, Bobby Kennedy, was later assassinated just after midnight on June 5th of 1968. Another falls at nighttime. I give you a thumbs down on that one, Nostradamus. I, I don't know. I don't see that one as fitting. Eh, I don't understand the London and Tuscany thing. Yeah, I don't either. It is kind of weird how Bobby died at nighttime. A lot of people die at night, though, you know? Yeah, I guess he had a 50-50 chance. I think that when we go to sleep at night, we die, and our conscious goes into another reality and inhabits another body, and that's why we have dreams. Sorry, that was really deep. All right. Well, speaking of deep, let's fly into this next one. This one, the prediction goes, Earth-shaking fire from the center of the Earth will cause tremors around the new city. Two great rocks will war for a long time. Then Arthusa will redden a new river. So the interpretation of that is that on the morning of September 11th, 2001, the two towers, a.k.a. the two great rocks, of the World Trade Center in New York City, a.k.a. New City, collapsed after supposed Al-Qaeda terrorists crashed the hijacked passenger planes into the building. Mm. At the time, he wouldn't have seen a skyscraper like that. There were big silver buildings. Probably best thing he can describe them as is two great rocks. Yeah, but I don't know. The two great rocks will war for a long time. Yeah, I think you may be talking about like Iraq in the United States, right? You see them, like just the layout of them. You would think, okay, that's not a map of the United States. That's uh, two rocks. Hmm. I give that a maybe. It's going 50-50 with me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What's this next one? Ooh, this is a good one. So this one hits close to current day. The prediction is that there will be twin year from which will arise a queen who will come from the east and who will spread a plague in the darkness of night on a country with seven hills and will transform the twilight of men into dust to destroy and ruin the world. It will be the end of the world economy as we know it. Now, it might sound a little familiar. When he talks about the twin year, it's believed he's talking about 2020, from which a queen will arise, a.k.a. the coronavirus, who will come from the east, of course China, and who will spread a plague, being the coronavirus. I give that a thumbs up. Thanks a lot, Nostradamus. Yeah, I agree with that. Isn't the Seven Hills, isn't that Italy? Yep. Mm -hmm. We'll transform the Twilight of Men into dust to destroy your world. Oh, Italy. Is he talking about the book Twilight? The vampires turning into dust? I'm Edward. I'm a snake. <laughs> Never mind. That's not it. <laughs> All right. Now we're going to discuss some of his predictions that supposedly tell the future. So. All right. Hit, hit, hit us with that. What's his first one you got? Oh, bam. To the face. The final Antichrist. Out of the greater country of Arabia shall be born a strong master of Muhammad. He will enter Europe wearing a blue turban. He will be the terror of mankind. Nevermore horror. So the interpretation here, Nostradamus says that a man from Greater Arabia will lead his forces on an invasion through Europe. This invasion will start a third world war that will be far worse than all the other wars put together. Nostradamus goes on to give an exact date for this final Antichrist. In the year 1999, seven months 
From the sky will come a great king of terror to bring back to life the great king of the Mongols before after Mars to reign by good luck. The interpretation of that was, you know, so he started doing some digging on it into this one. Since he said the seventh month of 1999, he started looking at the key things that happened in July of 1999. Did find something interesting that might fit this, and it might be a reach, but, you know, let's entertain this. So I found out that Mohammed VI of Morocco had ascended to the throne and became the king of Morocco on 23rd of July of 1999 upon the death of his father, King Hassan II. Started looking at images of Muhammad VI, and he has been pictured multiple times with a blue turban on. You know, it's a bit of a reach, but you know, I thought it was quite interesting. I mean, I'll give that a half thumb. Yeah, I, I give it a half thumb. All right, so this next prediction is... Yeah, he claims that, well, some people think in this next quatrain that he's talking about an asteroid colliding with Earth or coming close to it. All right, so here's the quatrain. In the sky, a person will see fire and a long trail of sparks. This can be interpreted as impending natural disasters, but according to some people, uh, we're talking about a large asteroid that will collide with Earth. And once in the Earth's atmosphere, of course, this asteroid, this asteroid will be heated up and will appear to be fire in the sky. Now, NASA has announced that there is a very real danger that asteroid 2009 KF-1 will collide with Earth on May 6th, 2021. So we got a month from now, guys. And if we're still alive after this, congratulations. If you're listening to this after May 6, 2021, congratulations. You've ascended. Well, another natural type disaster that he predicted is destructive earthquakes. So the, what he wrote was, The sloping park, great calamity. Through the lands of the West and Lombardy, the fire in the ship, plague in captivity, Mercury in Sagittarius, Saturn fading. So he, Nostradamus claims that a huge earthquake will occur, and many claim that, well, you know, California is the one affected by it again. The date this is supposed to be is November 25th, 2021, which is the date that Mercury is in Sagittarius. Damn, imagine if we get both of these predictions right. The friggin' earthquake and the asteroid. I, I was hoping 2021 would be better than know, 2020. Right. <laughs> Ugh. Thanks a lot, Nostradamus. Hey, he's not making it. He's the one telling us about it. All right, what's this next one? Uh, next one is a biblical famine. Nostradamus' prediction says that the first signs of the end of the world would be hunger, earthquakes, various diseases, and epidemics. They will be happening more and more as the year carries on. Good Lord, I hope not. I need toilet paper. It is believed that the coronavirus pandemic marks the beginning of a series of adverse events that will affect the population all around the world. Then sooner or later, a catastrophe of huge proportions will again return us to the past. Over half of the world's population will not be able to overcome what is to come. Oh, man. Can't we just go back to like 1996? Can't we just go back to wearing turtlenecks? Yeah. Ooh. That'll protect us from the coronavirus. 
All right. What's this next one we got? It, it's another partial coronavirus one. This one, the prediction is the dreadful war which prepared in the West. The following year, the pestilence will come. So very horrible that young, nor old, nor animal will survive. I mean, what happened to our pets getting coronavirus? They were like, oh, your pets can get it. And no one ever talks about it anymore. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, the animals at the zoo can get it. They look like they're doing fine. Maybe there's another virus coming along. The one that Baba Vanga talks about that ages you rapidly. We got until like 2088 before that happens. Damn, I'll be long. I'll be 100 years old. I'll be long gone. I'll be just dust in the wind. Floating through space and time. You're my boy, Blue. All right. So this next one is supposedly about solar storms. So in 2021. Oh, good Lord. Does it ever stop? Um, <laughs> he says there will be powerful solar storms that could cause great damage to the planet. This goes off what Nostradamus said, which is, we will see how the water rises and the earth hides under it. Now, this could possibly be in reference to climate change. You know, with the earth flooding, many nations will end up going to war to collect what little resources are left, kind of like Mad Max. And, you know, not to mention the amount of people migrating to stay above the rising waters. And I guess it really wouldn't be like Mad Max. It'd be like Waterworld. Y'all remember that movie where they're riding around jet skis? Yeah. Such an awesome movie. Been a long time. It would be more like that. So I hope you got kayaks and boats. And floaties. And canoes. And I hope you're good at fishing and snorkeling. That's why I'm practicing snorkeling. Uh-oh. That's why I'm trying to learn how to eat seafood more. I ain't eating seafood after I watch Seaspiracy. I already don't eat it, but like... Watch that and then come back to me. You won't want to eat it. Everything that's dolphin safe is not dolphin safe. Everything's a lie. It's a whole episode in itself about the corruption in our food system and how pollution of our oceans is hardly anything plastic. It's mostly fishing gear, uh, like half of the great Pacific floating island of shit trash is all nets and buoys and things from boats. And when we all are advocating for straws, no straws. That doesn't even account for 1% of the plastic in the ocean. Well, what if we like dive into the ocean ourselves and like pull up crab? Would you eat it then? Is it, is that safe? That is, yes. It's the commercial. Oh, like, commercial fishing. Uh, like, yeah. Okay. It's like cod and all that stuff. That's already tuna. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, a lot of those tunas and stuff will say dolphin certified safe. And they're not at all. Like, they they basically can't guarantee it. They're supposed to be people on the boats that go out, but they don't go out regularly. And they're bribed often by the fishermen. And that in some parts of the world, there's slavery through the fishing trade where people have, are forced to be working on boats for 10 years at a time. People get killed and thrown over the edge. It's like, it's a serious, like, I highly recommend watching it. This guy did two documentaries, and I haven't watched the first one, but that one's called, like, Cowspiracy. So I'm guessing he talks about the... Cows? Yeah, like, our local markets. It it was very eye-opening. It really... Well, what's this one you're talking about? About the uh, sea? Seaspiracy? Seaspiracy. Yeah, I think it's on and Netflix. this is not an ad, by the way. This is not a paid ad. No. It was really, really good. But it'll make you never want to eat meat. or Well, probably never eat meat, but definitely never eat seafood. Hmm. Unless it's caught by Aaron's... Seafood extravaganza, hand-caught every crab, raised from birth. 
I was thinking about this solar storm one. What if it's a pole switch instead of solar? Because that happens, you're going to have adjusting of water levels, and obviously that's going to cause Earth or land to hide under it. I don't want that in 2021. Atlantis would be uncovered at that point. That's where I'm going. I'm telling you, I still think that the Eye of the Sahara is the true Atlantis location. We should have a GoFundMe to raise funds to travel there and start digging. I'll bring a backhoe. Good luck with that. An excavator. As long as I find the trident, I will be happy. Right? I have that in our bedroom. Don't worry. Oh. (laughs) He he who holds the trident controls them all. (laughs) All right. So what's this next one we have? Zombie apocalypse, believe it or not. So he claimed that a Russian scientist will create a biological weapon virus that can turn people into zombies. This will leave us, the human race, of course, almost extinct. Fun fact, May is Zombie Awareness Month. For anyone that didn't know, apparently it's a thing. I didn't know that. A whole month dedicated to zombies. Yeah, thank you, Casey, for telling me that. Do you have to wear like a certain color or something? I don't know. Oh. You know, of course something would come out of Russia like that. It's either Russia or Florida. Just saying. What about China? Nah, 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 nah. I put my money on Florida. Yeah, Florida. Florida takes it. You know, I was reading through a bunch of stuff once, and that they were trying to weaponize, or the Russians during the Cold War were trying to weaponize uh, rabies to make it uh, like a gas to where it just comes in contact with your skin and you get rabies. And rabies is kind of like... A zombie disease, because if you don't get it treated within the first day of being bitten by something that has rabies, it starts eating away at your brain, and you start getting really crazy and biting shit, and then you start trying to attack your people, and boom, once you bite somebody else, there it is. Yeah, speaking of that rabies stuff, I used to work at a grocery store a long time ago, and that I used to have this guy come in, right, real tall guy, six foot, probably six foot five, six foot six. And he would wear a, like a button-up Hawaiian shirt, but it would be unbuttoned in the middle. And he would wear camo cargo pants and like boots with his camo pants tucked in. And then he'd have like a, almost like a army type hat, but he had a mullet, real dirty, greasy mullet. He had a really thin mustache and he looked like he partook in a lot of drugs because he was very skinny. Well, anyways, this guy would come in every Tuesday and purchase our big entire like box of brake fluid that we'd get in. We'd get in cases of brake fluid. He'd come buy them all. And I would say, yo, man, why are you buying all of our, do you got like a lot of cars? Do you run like a car business? Is your car like running out of brake fluid? Like you need me to order you some blinker fluid while you're at it? He's like, no, 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 I'm good. So, <clears throat> yeah. I don't know where I was going with that story. Fucking rabies, though, man. I'm pretty sure he had it. <laughs> I mean, once you get it, and they, you don't get the, like the like three injections in your stomach, there's no curing you. You'll die from it. I saw a video of a dude dying from it. Yeah, he was like white, like taped up to a hospital bed. Look, I mean, some World Look War like straight up zombie. World War Z, right there. I mean, if you ever seen an animal with rabies, the way they walk and they stumble around and stuff, it's like how zombies walk in movies and stuff like that. So you think they take rabies and learn to weaponize it? Create a zombie-like virus? Oh, I bet they already have. Yeah. 
Russia probably already has, but they're like, we don't need this yet. Insult Putin again. I swear I saw a few years ago that there is a team specialized for zombies that's provided by our military. Well, damn. Mm. Why prepare for it like that if it ain't a real thing? Just like Space Force. Oh, they pinned they they pinned Space Force wings on the first lieutenant today. I read that online. I said, God forbid, Space Force, y'all outdone yourselves today. So, how do I get up on that Space Force and go up and try to have me some intergalactic babies, some intergalactic poon? All right. So, what's this last prediction we have? Last one we got is implanted chips. American soldiers will be the first among human robots to supposedly have or supposedly save humanity. The chip that would be implanted into a soldier's brain would give them the digital intelligence to go beyond biology. Neuralink much? <sighs> oh my god, you're so smart. Damn. What Call of Duty was it where you could have the exoskeleton and it would allow you to jump farther? I forget which one it was. Advanced it- Warfare? So there was this article at one point where the military was testing exoskeletons to help soldiers be stronger to allow them to lift a lot more than you know what an average soldier could lift like like 600 pounds i was watching a whole thing on it when i was uh in the army and i was like dude this is some weird bionic stuff happening could that be i mean i don't know yeah it could be like some iron man stuff yeah, you know, where they turn, snap their spine real quick, like in, when they were testing out the Iron Man stuff. That one dude. Oh, yeah. All the malfunctions. Damn. Kind of reminded me of, uh, was it Mission Impossible 3? That, like, a little, the guy would, like, inject, uh... Oh, that blow up It was, like, capsule. a bomb. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of reminded me of that. I'm just like, ooh. Hmm. But then, you know, I read this one, I'm just thinking, oh... Maybe, you know, how we talked about the vaccine actually having nanotechnology in it. Maybe this is just the first step of testing. Or not first step, because, you know, we know there's been multiple testings probably before this. Yeah? Yeah. I don't know. Something to think about. All right. Well, I guess that rolls us into theories. Let's get into some theories as to what, how Nostradamus got all this information that he did. All right. So there's four theories. I figure we could each take one. All right. This first theory is Vague Man, Get Rich or Die Trying. Okay? That's the title of it. So Nostradamus' popularity seems to be due in part to the fact of his vagueness of his quatrains, a.k.a. predictions, and their lack of specific dates. You know, it makes it easy to selectively quote them after any major dramatic event and retrospectively claim them as true you know i bet i could say something vague and give it a thousand years and someone will connect something with it like for an example uh the red horse will gallop across the barren lands and then a plane will fly in the sky the arm will reach its hands into the sphincter and again the baby will be born connect that with somebody baby see I bet you give it a thousand years and somebody will be able to say, holy shit, Aaron is a prophet. Men start getting pregnant. Yeah, exactly. And they're like, he predicted it. A plane's going to be flying low to the ground above some horses. Then all of a sudden, there's going to be a doctor on a plane with a woman that's pregnant about to give birth. And boom, there's a baby And born. the blood of the, <laughs> of the vagina in birth 
comes splattering out of the plane and onto the horses and paints them red. Yeah. Yep. Wow. That's a low-flying plane. <laughs> so what do y'all think of that? You think he was vague? Yes and no. I mean, you have to, like, if he's trying to hide what he knows, because he didn't want everyone to know what he was predicting. So you'd be obvious yet vague. Yeah, because, I mean, he had to hide it from the church, because if he just came out right and said it, oh, heresy, or some shit like that. So, I mean, I yes and no on that one, you know. I mean, he was vague, but he did it for a reason, I guess, to save his own ass. Which he could have saved many more lives, perhaps, if he just straightforward with it, but, you know. And, like, to throw in years, like mm-hmm. the Great London Fire, to say, you know, you're a 66, that'll be a great fire. Those are a little too accurate. Oh, and then the, the uh, and then the twin year, when he was talking about mm-hmm. the coronavirus? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 2020. Yeah. Damn. Okay. All right. So what's this next theory? Uh, this next one is that he met a time traveler. Okay. I like that. It is possible that he may have met someone that told him of terrible events that were to come. He put these events in the prophecies that were not blunt so that they would not be scared from what they heard or thought of him as a witch or, you know, something like that. Which is also how he survived and helped treat people during the Black Death. Everyone always said that Nostradamus was ahead of his time. Sadly, his family succumbed to the Black Plague. Which he was not able to treat and save them. Gosh, the irony of that. Guess you didn't see that one coming, did ya? Damn. He did not. Eh, I like to think, you know, that he did meet a time traveler. Ah, here's Nostradamus. Hey, look, I'm gonna tell you. Listen, now listen. What year are you from? Just listen, Nostradamus. The sloping park, <laughs> great calamity through the lands of the West and Lombardy, the fire and the ship plague and captivity, Mercury and Sagittarius, Saturn fading. See you later, bitch. See you next week. <laughs> what if it's just a bad telephone game? He receives a message and can't remember all of it, so he's just like, fire from the East, some madman from the West, born of Germany. Something like that. I don't know what he said. I think his name was Hister, Hitler, Hitler, we'll go with Hister. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, Sounds that's, better. That's what probably happened. He had dementia. He mixed his sister and he came out with Hister. His sister would be, destroy the world. Hister, Hitler, that's it. Oh, now we're talking about Korea. The, his sister almost took over. Oh, Kim Jong-un? He's died. Yeah. Yeah, she's controlled by the CIA. She did 10 years as a CIA undercover operative in the black sands of Sri Lanka where she took peyote and sucked the teat of a black Angus toad. Side note on North Korea, I was like reading the story about how, uh, whatever his name is, Kim Jong... Kim Jong-un? <laughs> yeah, that one. He uh, murdered his uh, older brother in Thailand. He paid spies to go up and rub VX gas on him. And when they, and like the brother's like, oh shit, I know what's happening. And he, when, when he died, the authorities went through his whole like backpack and found all of the antropine and shit that he needed to save his life in there. And he just didn't take it. Like all the stuff they, they give you in the military in case you come in contact with nerve gas to inject yourself. Oh. And that Kim Jong-un has also been to the United States multiple times as a child and went to Disney World in California. And went to college here. 
Yep. Thanks a lot, the government. Thanks a lot, CIA, for assisting with his activities. Thanks a lot, Dennis Rodman. Why don't you go play some more basketball? I'll be right over. All right, if y'all had a chance, serious question before we get into this next one. If y'all had a chance to go to North Korea, would you? No. 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 They would find all my spank bank on my phone and make me delete it. Yeah. I'd probably just die for being a woman. I'd have, like, naked pictures of, like, deep fakes of, like, Kim Jong-un, right? Taking it from the back. Just like the background on your phone? Yeah. I mean, I looked at how expensive it is to get into North Korea. It's like 10 fucking grand. Oh, fuck that. No way. And you have, oh, yeah. And you, you can't fly directly in there. If you're a U.S. citizen, you have to fly to China and then take a two-hour train in, t- in there. That's too much work. Never mind. Should we do, like, the movie interview? See if we can get an interview with Kim Jong-un? I'm on the scene. Please don't kill me. <laughs> I hope you don't have to, like, shove something up your hoo-ha. Dude, dude, I can fit a whole log of chewing tobacco in my butt. I've got it. Ooh. All right. So what's this next theory? All right. The next theory is that Nostradamus got his ass clapped by some extraterrestrials. Oh, Just kidding. Probing. <laughs> yeah. Basically, he was helped out by aliens and, you know, the extraterrestrial. So extraterrestrial intervention into helping Nostradamus predict the future by an alien astronaut of the seventh century, or maybe an alien that was beaming their visions into this glass of water or the flames of fire to make him write his books as a way to warn us and prevent us of the outcome of those horrible events. I mean, could be like the Black Knight satellite, right? Beaming down the information. And at that time, he really didn't know what some of the stuff meant because it was so far advanced in what he was seeing. He was like, I'm just going to write it down the best I can. I don't know what the hell that is. That's like taking a phone back to Nostradamus and saying, you see these? We will carry around these. What, what, what would he call this? Squares? Rectangles? Humans carry around rectangles, which give them the ability to communicate around the world. I say he got his cheeks clapped. Yeah, maybe. Hey, he was traveling around for a while. Maybe he ran into an alien and, you know, some clapping occurred. He got some visions. That's how they transferred the knowledge. Maybe. All right, Dan, so hit us with the more realistic, I wouldn't say realistic, but the more grounded theory, not far out there. This one I found and I was just like, holy shit, this person really went deep with this theory of theirs. And like, it's still not complete, I don't think. But it was that Notre Dame was actually a spy. And, you know, I think think it goes in like he was a spy for Russia. But uh, it goes along with the lines that his family was originally Jewish and were forced to become Catholics because of the times. You know, had to be Catholic or, you know, you're probably like a witch or, you know, heresy stuff. Well, it goes that he was a spy for the Tsar of Russia, Ivan the Terrible. They start off with that Notre Dame's name is actually an anagram for Tsar Dominus, which he created so that he could identify to which sect he joined. You know, that became his spy name or whatever. And uh, I have a link here, you know, of the Reddit post. And let's see here. Where was it? It goes in like, you know, the SARS, you know, stands for, uh, what the hell did it stand for? I thought I put that down. Slavic kings to disambiguate from the translation of English Caesar to French as Caesar. They are different words with a regional ethnic as well as potential devotional allegiance meaning. It's, uh. 
I just ran. It's like six paragraphs down. Yeah. Like it, it goes deep into like, you know, the meaning of the name Sar, then Dominus. Pretty much, you know, why did it? How it's like Luciferian. Yeah. It's a decent read. And, you know, it, it gets your mind thinking. But, you know, it's just the fact that it's, it's he became a spy for Russia because his family had to convert to, Cath- to being a Catholic from being Jewish. And that he wanted to help Russia, I guess, invade. It is a big read, but it looks like it's very well put together. It is very well put together. That's why, like, when I found it, I'm just like, I got to mention it. In fact, this guy actually went deep into this. He he found a rabbit hole. Holy he shit. He found a rabbit hole and he followed it. <laughs> yeah, he did. Always got to love those rabbit holes. All right. Well, what is y'all's thoughts on this? Like, what's your own personal thoughts? I just think that he received these through meditation. Like the Akashic Records or some sort that he tapped into? Well, I don't know if... I guess he could have t- tapped into them, but he could have just been meditating and time traveled because you know i think of sleeping as a way of time travel and so meditating and going into trances is like being awake and time traveling so he probably was in this meditative state found himself in the future where things happen and then does his you know when you come back from your dream world Sometimes you have trouble remembering exactly what happened, but you have like a, oh, the sky was falling, there was flames from the east to the west, and there was a a fountain that exploded whenever the fire hit the ground. You know, like, you just, you have pieces of it. Damn, you make a good point. Yeah. So that's what I would go with. I'm going to, I'm going to go right with you on that. That's amazing. Thank you. How about you, Dan? What do you think? You think he was just a phony? You think he was trying to get rich? You think he was banging that queen? Oh, he was banging the queen. 100%. You think he just made that shit up about the queen and the king? And then he's like, oh shit, that really happened. <sighs> Hell yeah. He paid off that one guy, said, hey, take your spear, <laughs> your lance, and jam it right through the king's eye. And then after it happened, when the king's laying on the ground, Nostradamus is a butt. Over him. I told you this would happen. I told you this would happen, King Henry. It's like off of uh, the movie Friday, standing over him. You got knocked the f out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. You. It kind of makes me think of um a little bit of ESP, possibly, or manifesting things to come true. Like you know, you believe in something, and like you read it over and over, and you start trying to compare like what it could be, and the more you talk about it, read into it, you're I would say sending energy into that to where you end up manifesting something to happen. So you think by him writing these almanacs and getting people more aware of them and these quatrains, the more people read them, the more energy and collective consciousness gets put into it, which manifests these realities or things happening. Yeah, it's like, you know, with all these stories about things that are like possessed or even demons themselves more you read about them and the word spreads on it they gain energy and it could possibly manifest so yeah well i did just see a tiktok that talked about an experiment that was done where a hundred monkeys were on an island or there was okay i if i remember correctly what happened was there were monkeys on two separate islands one of them was taught how to use tools and the other ones weren't 
And after like a hundred monkeys learned, the other monkeys started from the other island started to try to mimic these things. And so they were saying that, like the collective consciousness thing, if a hundred people have the same thought, you are going to change the structure of reality. And these monkeys that were learning a new way of life was literally altering the DNA of the monkeys on the other island to have the natural instinct, if you will, to call it that, to start picking up stones or using them as tools or it just... The, the whole video was about if every person just tried to change their outlook on life, that ultimately it would reverberate to everybody else in the world, even the people who aren't trying to do it, because we as a collective consciousness are doing it. So maybe you've got something there, Dan, where enough people did think about it and it did manifest it, or at least in this timeline it did. Yeah, because I... I read something about uh, Russia used to do an experiment like many years ago. I think I know which one you're talking about. It was uh, what they like played like some kind of message over and over and over. It was like what something was it like something negative pretty much. And after so many years of people hearing that message, they were brainwashed to where they were actually they believed in that message. Like it was 100 percent true. It kind of got me thinking, you know. He write these almanacs, it spreads around, people start reading these things. And back then, you know, almanacs, of course, were very popular because farmers always needed them, you know, for like the season stuff. And I mean, shit, they still have almanacs these like now, just not many people go and buy them, not where I live anyways. So, you know, the word spreading, it's always in there. Just makes me, I mean, that's what I think, at least sort of, if it makes sense. Hans, what's your belief behind all this? I believe that Rasputin took a page out of his book and started banging the royals like Nostradamus. Just kidding. So um, it has to do with Anna's time travel in a way. What if he astro projected himself in these sleeps or in these trances, you know, conscious left his body and traveled to different realities? Technically, like time traveling, but just to different realities. And he like stopped in one and was like, what the fuck's going on here? There's these steel tower, steel buildings falling to the ground. And, you know, what what in the world's happening? And then he goes to the next one. He, he, you know, he comes back, wakes up or comes out of his trance. And like Dan says, he writes it down and it manifests itself. So he basically hops around from reality to reality, not understanding that what he's doing and what if he was just the cause of all these things because people believing in it it manifested Hmm. damn i like astral projecting i think that that definitely ties into what i was thinking too it's a better word for it different realities like dr strange there's one there's only four thousand four billion possibilities there's only one that works you know actually what you were saying kind of reminded me what of the avengers how they were trying to explain time travel. They're just like, you know, why don't we just go back and, you know, find little baby Thanos and just, uh, you know, break his neck. Uh, Banner was just like, that's not how time travel works. You can't go back and like undo the past. Only thing you can do is change the future or change your current timeline's future. But anything that's already happened, you cannot change. So maybe Notre Dame did astral project, but like way into the future to where he was able to write down these quatrains to describe what's happening. But the fact is, like, you know, 
I guess no, no one's really figuring it out to change it, or maybe he was actually from the future and you can't change the past. I mean, one of those. I do like that too. Marvels. They write some good shit sometimes. <laughs> All right. So y'all got anything else you want to add to this episode before we move on to on the scene? No, I'm good. Nope. All right. Well, it was a good episode. I enjoyed it today. It was. Lots of good theories. Good discussion. Yep. All right. So now we're going to move to on the scene. Now, if you aren't familiar with our on the scene section, it is where we listen to someone around the world who submitted a audio clip of them going out and interviewing someone in the wild and asking them about their opinions on current conspiracies and happenings. This week's On the Scene is from Wyatt, and we're going to take a listen to that right now. This is Wyatt on the scene. All right, do you have, first off, do you believe in aliens? Yes, I believe in aliens. What about aliens do you believe in? Like, have you ever been abducted? you ever seen one? Anything like that? I only believe in them because I watch alien shows, and I believe in fairies, and um, witches. <laughs> That's also, I believe in aliens. I've seen Bigfoot out in the woods, you know, big hairy balls just walking around. No? Huh? I've seen them. He's touched me. I have no comment on that. I personally don't believe in Bigfoot, but go off. Thank you for your time. You're welcome. That was straight and quick. I was not expecting that. Period, King. All right. Well, I have absolutely no idea what she said there at the end. But thank you, Wyatt, for your excellent on the scene. Sounded like she said something about quick at the end. Yeah, she wasn't expecting it to go that quick. Gang gang, maybe. Oh. Is that what the kids are saying? Peek the drip. Thank you, Wyatt. Appreciate you and your friend or this person that you interviewed on the scene. Um, she needs to check out our Bigfoot merch because he's real. He's a candidate you could believe in. That's right. He is real. How can you say no comment then say you don't believe in him? You take that back. Mm-hmm. But thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, okay, so if anybody wants to submit an interview that they did themselves, you can record it and send us an email of it. Make sure it's less than 120 seconds. Find anybody on the street and ask them questions about current conspiracy happenings around the world. And we would love to hear it. So submit it to us and we will feature it. All right, so now we're going to move to shout outs this week. And I'll start off with. Uh, Instagram, if that's okay with everybody. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. So I want to shout out to AJ. He says he loves listening to us and uh, that he hopes that we have a great day. Well, thank you, AJ. Uh, we love you. So this next shout out I want to give to Sam. Sam has a boyfriend named Jacob. And Jacob wrote us a message and said, Hi, I recently was introduced to your amazing show from my awesome girlfriend. I really love your show. and I think y'all are doing a great job. If I could get a shout out for my amazing girlfriend, that would be amazing. Her name is Sam and she really enjoys your show. So shout out to you, Sam, for uh, being an amazing girlfriend to Jacob. And shout out to you, Jacob. Both y'all for listening to us. Thank you for the love, you guys. Yeah. Yeah. I want to give a shout out to Stephen R. and his boy, Dylan R. 
shout out. Steven said, hey, the quality of your last podcast was pretty damn good. Keep it up, guys. Love seeing the growth and the drip. Well, thank you, Steven. And thank you, Dylan. Shout out to both y'all. Love you. Proud of you. How do you spell Dylan? D-Y-L-A-N. Dylan. I thought Dylan was D-I-L-L-O-N. That's another that's another way to spell Dylan as well. Oh, well. Dylan, Dylan, sorry if I pronounced your name wrong. Whatever your damn name is. Dylan, Dylan. All right. So the next shout out goes to Christian I. He said, hey, guys, love the podcast. You should do an episode on the Russian sleep project and other weird stuff that Germany and Russia did during World War II. Thank you, Christian. We'll add that. Um, shout out to Amanda. Uh, she said, uh, she actually shared our, that she was listening to our episode on her Instagram stories and said, they're talking about what's going on right now in our current time. And this was recorded in 2019. I have chills. Well, we were called the prophets of podcasting at one time. So, yep. Yeah. Um, shout out to Bianca. She said, Hey guys, my husband and I listened to your, listen to you guys. He actually got me into listening to your podcast, and now I can't stop. You guys gave him a shout-out in this week's episode, Leo V. And we were being such fangirls about it. I'm actually a little jelly. Anyways, we love your podcast. Keep doing what you're doing. You're cool as F. Love your theories and love the amount of research and effort you guys put into your podcast. By the way, my husband, I'm so in love with him and that... I wish I could show him more love, but I give him my heart already enough. Love you, Leo, is what she said. And then she sent us a screenshot of like their, their conversation. And she put like, I got a shout out on TOT3K. And he goes, what, really? And did they say that they loved you? And she was like, no. Well, guess what, Bianca and Leo? We love you. And we're and proud we're of proud you. And we're proud of you. Exactly. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Boom. Take it. Now go have love and have Plenty of babies and name them after all of us. That's right. All right. Shout out to Daniel. Uh, he sent us a picture that showed that's uh, of Maury and Hulk Hogan. And it said the DNA results confirm that not everyone is your brother. I love you and I'm proud of you, brother. Thank you, Daniel. I love you and I'm proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> Listen here, brother. <laughs> I'm not your brother. We, we've been over uh, this. Next one uh, is to Oscar. Uh, he said, I'm addicted to your show. I have a small shop and my wife and best friend work with me. Helps with the paperwork. Uh, if you can give a shout out uh, from Oscar to his S-C-O-N-K-A. Skonka? Skonka? I'm pretty sure I pronounced that wrong. Wife Beatrice. Well, shout out to your wife Beatrice. And shout out to you, Oscar, and your other friend, uh, or wait, and my wife and best friend. Oh, and your best friend who work with you. I'm proud of all of you, and I love you all. Yeah. I want to shout out, I uh, got a couple more. Shout out to Joseph O. said, so I just want to start off by saying I really enjoy your episodes. You guys are awesome, and I'm a huge fan. Thank you, Joseph. I love you. If you love us so much, you're going to get a tattoo of the show on you. Yeah, yeah, you will. Shout out to <laughs> shout out to AZ Hip. Hey Aaron, uh, much love Mia, me Mij, Maj, much love Maj. Love, love, love the show. You guys are such amazing, doing an awesome job. You guys are my favorite podcast. Love the Patreon and Discord as well. I've listened to every episode. 
Well, thank you. I love you. Um, and I have one more shout out to give, and that is to Randall B. Sent us an email with a subject line that says, suck it easy. <laughs> and the entire email is suck my ass bitch. So bring it on over here. I'll pucker my lips up and I'll suck that booty hole. So I love you all. Thank you for all the love, for the support uh, on Instagram. And uh, keep sending it and we'll keep sending it right back to you. All right. Who's next? Facebook or Twitter? I could do Twitter. Go for it. All right. So I do have some on Patreon. And the first one I want to shout out is Persephone, who gave me well, a great conversation, of course, but um, she gave me a reading for my Mayan, uh, I don't know what to call it, but it's like she gave me a reading for my Mayan animals and, and whatnot. Just more information for me to better learn myself and grow. So I really appreciate you taking the time to do that. Um, you're awesome. Definitely email me if you want to keep talking. We rotate the messaging, so uh, it might get lost in the messages. But I also want to shout out Catherine. I got a lot of lovely Aussies that have been reaching out to me on Patreon, and I appreciate you guys. It's nice to wake up and then have messages from you. Uh, let's see. Adam H., welcome back to the mainland, dude. Glad you got yourself some Chick-fil-A and got to eat some uh, Whataburger on your way through Texas. Nasty. Yo, dog. Thank you also for reaching out. Um, Chaz, Lo or Chaz L., appreciate you, friend. Don't do Swamp Fox. I'll do that one. That was a really nice thing. Dude, uh, that guy messaged me on personally on, th on the thing, and uh, I don't know if I sent it to you. Yeah, you did. I was like, wow, that's deep. Well, I told you about the unexpected fanboying. That was Swamp Fox? Well, Swamp Fox said, I got, I got an unexpected shout out today and I totally fanboyed out. Lucky I work alone and can dance like a D-bag. Love you guys. I've been feeling down and in a spiritual low. I look forward to Thursday every week and when Han said Swamp Fox, it made my whole week. You have no idea what that small gesture means to me. My family doesn't know I exist. Now I exist. Or know I exist. Sorry. Um, so, you know, I just reached out to him and the, I said, I'm stoked that we can bring light into your life when the darkness is trying to creep in. Hold on, dude. The collective is hella heavy right now. It isn't just you. We're all getting beat up right now and things are being shook loose that we need to work on. I said, you are real and we know that. And we love having you as part of our family. Yeah. Love you, Swamp Fox, and I'm proud of you. Yeah, much love, man. Let's see who else do I got to shout out? Okay, there is Priscilla, who just joined Twitter. She said, uh, first and maybe only tweet. I literally only made this Twitter account just to give TOT3K podcast a shout out. I'm currently listening to the Las Vegas shooting episode, and I just wanted to let you beautiful beings know that I love you and I'm proud of you. That's all. Oh. Nice. But we love you and we're proud of you. Yeah, me too. Don't don't rip me a new one on that one because I've already got ripped a new one on that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Luna, I appreciate you reaching out and giving us a lot of good suggestions and our resident fairy godmother. 
Appreciate you. Your buddy Satan, thanks for tagging us in the, that tweet. 757 and Brody asked if we're ever going to show our faces. I'm somewhat of a new fan and I'm interested. Sign up to the Patreon. Sign up for the Patreon. We have some tune reveals on there. And finally, I'll shout out Nick V and Butterfly. Appreciate you guys. All right. So, uh, Dan, what do you got for Facebook shout outs? All right. Just going to go through a list real quick. Uh, shout out to Heather B, Marissa T, Tamara W. This name I'm a little weary on. Vetel, V-E-T-L-E. Vetel? Vettel? Vetel juice. Vettel M. I'm sorry if I pronounce it wrong. You can send me a message, yell at me. I'm sorry. Corey H, Scott L. Of course, you know, Wyatt sent us that nice little on the scene. Eric K. Then, of course, Chaz L. Then uh, Jennifer F.E. Messaging me on Facebook. Some of them I still got to reply to, but I am trying to get those done. But yeah, that's all I got, really. All right, let's get to Hans' shout out. What do you got for us, uh, Hans, for shout outs? All right, so this one is a very, very special shout out. Although I didn't get the message personally, this shout out is to my boy Swamp Fox. You didn't send the message to me, but. You did send it to Anna, and she shared it with me. And, dude, I'm glad that it made your day. Nobody dances like a D-bag, so you dance however you want, dude. You want to drop it like it's hot at work? You want to do the WAP? Dude, that's okay. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And I'm glad it made you that happy. We here on the podcast, we know you exist, brother. Hell we yeah. see you. Mm-hmm. You'll see me when I'm behind you. Eh. So... <laughs> With good vibes. Yeah, good intentions. Next, I'm going to shout out um, to the Discordian from Discord. Uh, Hop over to uh, the face reveal. Shout out to Rusty Shackelford, 1666. Isn't that weird that London burned down in 1666? Just saying. Did you do it? Yeah, did you you go back in time and do that? Gun to your fucking head. Did you do it? Yeah. I like uh, the suggestions of what you thought I look like, <laughs> especially the last one. Um, so accurate. Yeah, very. Ever Deadly Ninja, shout out to you too. And I uh, was, I like the, you know, just just send it. Don't be silly. I'm still going to send it. Dude, I always send it. You're a little close. That's my personality. Stony Tony, you were getting pretty close with it. And Dale, with the screenshot. That was creepily kept on your phone or wherever for the last time that I was ever showing partial of my face. Thank you. All right. Well, that is the end of today's episode. And I want to thank you for joining us today. And again, thank you for all your love and support. So with that being said, Dan, Hans, and Anna, you want to roll us out? Sure. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you're not alone. Boom. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. 
Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.